Amen. But that you might be strengthened in the inner man. The inner man. Everyone say the inner man. The inner person. You see, when we look at you and when we look at each other, we don't see that you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And the inner man is the spirit. It's the hidden man of the heart, Peter says. And so we've got an inner being inside of us. And it's the spirit. And the spirit is the part where God works. And the arena of God's activity is in the spirit of a person. Is that okay? And so Paul says that you be strengthened in the inner man. The NIV says that you might be filled to all the fullness of God. So when you get filled with God, you get filled in that inner man, in that inner place, in the inner being. And so he says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul expresses the heart's desire of God, and that is this, that he wants us to be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen? But I'm going to step back from that, and I'm going to just give you two types that the Bible talks about. The first is, we go all the way back to Genesis 6, to the Tower of Babel. The King James says the people got together and they said it like this. So listen to what they said. They said, let us build us a city. And basically, they wanted to build a city with a tower in it, a tower that would reach to God. And you know the story that God came down and he confused the building of that city by giving them different languages. And so suddenly they could not understand each other because he said, as speaking one language, nothing would be impossible for them. They would be able to accomplish this. That became a prophetic antitype of the day of Pentecost and the crucifixion of Jesus. And so they were dispersed all across the world. On the day of Pentecost, so different languages divided them. On the day of Pentecost, people came together of different nationalities from different nations. They came together and God united them, amen, with different languages. And so if we carry the antitype through to the type on the day of Pentecost, what happened was that God established the city of God. Babel would have been a city built out of fleshly human power, a city void of the Spirit. And God separated the languages. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit fell, the city of God was established, and it was a city filled with the Holy Spirit. So we remind you that um, um, Paul tells us that when Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, what was he looking for? He was looking for a city whose architect and builder was God, but it was a city with foundations. It's very interesting that Revelation 21 describes this city with foundation and gates and walls and everything like that. And so does Isaiah and some of the other prophets talking about the city of God. Then Jesus comes along and he says to them, I am the light of the world. Then he turns around to the disciples. He says, now you are the light of the world. And he continues and he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Amen. So Paul remarks in Hebrews that Abraham was looking for a city, but they could not be perfected without us. So together with us, now the church above, the church below, the church invisible, the church seen has become perfected together. And John tells us that the city is the bride because the angel took him and showed him the bride. 
And so when he looked, it was a bride. And when he looked again, it was a city. Amen. And so the city was measured and it was the same width, length, breadth and height. And so Paul says it in Ephesians 3 verses 19 to 21. He said, my prayer is that God may strengthen you, the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He says that you might know, King James, what is the length? What is the width? What is the breadth? What is the depth? And what is the height? And so he was saying, I want you to see the spiritual dimensions of who you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And John records it the same. When the angel measured width, length, width, breadth, depth, height, he was showing the dimensions of who we are in the Spirit. And that takes a revelation. Amen? So long and short of it, God wants us filled with His Holy Spirit. Amen. So the first thing that happens is we become a city. Everybody say, a city. So it's the new Jerusalem. It's not the old physical Jerusalem. We are the new Jerusalem, which has come down from God. Amen. And the second thing is a hill, a mountain. And so we go all the way back to Mount Sinai, when God gave the fiery law. And 3,000 people died because while Moses was up. How many of you know that when Moses gave the law on Mount Sinai, it was the 50th day from leaving Egypt, the first Passover, they sacrificed the lamb there and they left. That was the first Passover. 50 days later, they were at Mount Sinai. God gives a law and it's a fiery law. 3,000 people die because the Old Testament law was the law of sin and death. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, 3,000 people got saved. Because it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so really, it's not said, but that was a mountain. A mountain is a spiritual force. It was a high place. So Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2. And he says that in the last days, Mount Zion shall be established as the chief amongst mountains. And then in verse 3, he goes on to say that a law will come out of Zion. Amen. And so a new word, a new covenant, a new command came out of from the church being born on the day of Pentecost. So we're looking at a city. Is that okay? And now we're looking at a mountain. So we are now Mount Zion. Paul says it in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, we have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that's burning with fire, but we have come to a mountain. Is that okay? And it's the new Zion. Even Mount Moriah in Genesis 22, when Abraham was about to offer his son, that's where he saw the revelation of God as Jehovah Jireh. And he says, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen or it shall be provided. And so the saying is, you know, the Lord shall provide on the mountain. It shall be provided. Amen. That mountain, Mount Moriah, is the exact mountain where Christ was crucified. Is that okay? Where Abraham was about to give up his son, his only son. But God stopped him because he provided a lamb. But then centuries later, on that same mountain, God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. But this time he didn't stay the hand of the angel. Is that right? And so he gave us his son. Psalm 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his hand. You know, you know all those verses, amen? And so there's two pictures that I want to pick up that comes all the way through scriptures. And so... When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, I think it was, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So right now, we're a city and we're set on a hill and it's the chief of all mountains. Amen. Mount Zion. So there's some things that I want to bring out of that first, you know, because we look through the old and even into the New Testament, we'll see that number one, that the city has a temple. Is that okay? 
And it was one thing that Jesus spoke about. He said, destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. And the temple he was talking about was himself and us. Is that okay? So it's amazing to me that in Revelation 21, the Bible tells us that um, John tells us in Revelation 21, 22 to 24, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And furthermore, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp and the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it. So now already we see John's introduced. There's a temple in the city and we know from scripture now the city is set on the hill. Okay, and every city needs light. And John says, but we don't need the temple because God and Jesus are there. And also we don't need the sun because Jesus is the sun and he's also the lamp of God in the city. So where would that be? It would actually be in the temple in the city. So the thing that Jesus said, and he was touching on so many points, and he said, a city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. In other words, he was saying, you the hill, you the city, and you the light of the world. Is that okay? Because of the glory of God shines through you. Woohoo! Amen. But the city has a temple. And I know that John says it in Revelation that God and Jesus are the temple. But if we put scripture with scripture, we'll see Ephesians 2 verses 20 to 22. He says, now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Peter says we are living stones being built together in him and a royal priesthood. Going back to Ephesians 2, he says, in which God will dwell by his spirit. So we are living stones built on the foundation of Jesus. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Are you all happy with that? This is really good. I could just carry on teaching on this and not even go on further. But you are the temple. If we look at the revelation of Scripture, we can read it in Hebrews, that actually your spirit, your inner man, the hidden man of the heart, you know, where the Bible talks about out of your belly, out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. That is actually in the temple. And if we take you as an individual, that is actually the holy of holies. Your spirit is the holy of holies. Why? Because Jesus dwells there. Because he dwells there by his spirit. Is that okay? So where is the new holy of holies? It's in here. If you put us all together, it's among us. Is that all right? The most holy place. Because that which is born of God is perfect and does not sin. It's the rest. It's the noose. It's the mind. It's the emotions that need the renewing. So you're following the picture? So basically when we're heading towards Pentecost, what we're heading towards is this mountain that cannot be physically touched, but it's not burning with fire judgmentally. It's burning with a different fire because our God is a consuming fire. Amen. And tongues of fire fell on each of the disciples. It's a different fire. Amen. And so it's a mountain, it's a city, because together we are created in Christ, we're built together as a city, and you know, Zion is beautiful for situation on the sides of the north, and so on, and so on, and so forth. And every city needs light, so we've determined that Jesus is the light, but if we look at it the way Jesus said, then we are the light of the world, amen? So go to Isaiah, Isaiah says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of God has risen upon you. You keep reading in Isaiah, and he says, and nations will come to the brightness of your, of your dawning. Amen. People will be attracted to you. Come on, this is awesome stuff, man. Amen. Woo. I just get so excited just speaking about this stuff. And so, so we are the light, and we are the glory. So that's in the city. Wow. That's, amen. But listen, 
Every city, and most of the cities, if they're not built on water or near water, are built on fountains. Even Jerusalem had a fountain. That's how David took the city. Amen? And so, again, that's a type and a shadow that out of the city flows a river. Out of the city flows a river. Amen? And again, if we step back into the Old Testament and go to some of the prophetic types, we go to Ezekiel 47, and we see that a river flowed out of the city, but it started and originated in the temple. In fact, from underneath the altar. From the most holy place, a river flowed out. So the Bible begins with a river. And Moses describes this river as flowing from the east. From the east. You see, the east is symbolically, it's the place, it's, in other words, it has its origin in God. Because when the Son of Man comes, it'll be like, he says, it'll be like lightning flashing from the east. Is that okay? And when Ezekiel describes his temple, he says, it's right under the throne, you know, under the altar. It flows up, down the doors, down the steps, and it's flowing east. In other words, it's the river of God. And this river is just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen? So just to prove that it has its origin in God, John describes it in Revelation 22, and he says, And I saw out of the throne of God and the Lamb, point of origin, a river of the pure water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing out of Jesus and God and flowing and you would know that it starts in the east because it starts with God, its point of origin. And he says, and it's flowing, and it's a river of life. And there is the tree of life. And he doesn't know how to explain it in the midst of it and on its street. And it bears 12 fruits. In other words, it's fruitful all year round. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Woo! Amen. So we have a mountain, and on the mountain is a city. And inside the city is a temple. And by the way, it is the light and it is the lamp of God. But from in the Holy of Holies, a river is flowing. Psalm 46, there is a river, the streams of which make glad the what? The city of our God. And Joel tells us in Joel 3.18, I think, that the time will come when the spring will burst up in Jerusalem and it will flow out and water all the way to the valley of Chittim. Isn't that okay? Scripture after scripture, I can keep going. Amen. So, but I've made the point. Is that right? And so there's a city on a mountain. The glory of God is shining there. There's a temple in there from within the holy place. A river is flowing. So that's the whole background. The city has a temple. The city has a light. The city has a river. I tell you, it's a glorious river. And there's so many scriptures. The city, the temple, and the light. Wow. Didn't John say, you know, when Jesus came into the world, he said, I'm not the light. John the Baptist said, I'm not the light, but I'm a witness to the light. The true light that was coming into the world, and that light is the life of all men. And so the light is life. So is the river. So here's what Jesus said, John 7, 37. 38 and 39. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Why did he stand? Why did he say it in a loud voice? Because he did it. He was in the temple. They were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, it was the last day, the greatest day of the feast. It ended up on the Sabbath day. 
And when Jesus said it, it was right at the exact time the priest would go out to the pool of Siloam and he would take a big pitcher of water and he would come back and he would pour it on a sacrifice and he would quote Isaiah 27, I think, or 227. With joy, we draw from the wells of salvation. Empty dead ritual because he didn't understand the meaning. And he went and as he poured the water, Jesus was sitting Because when rabbis taught, they would sit and teach their disciples. And they would talk with low, soft-toned voices. So Jesus stands. And he says in a loud voice. Completely the opposite. Because he's announcing something new. He's basically saying, you see that what the priest is doing now? Come to me all you are thirsty. And drink. And out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Amen. And so out of our inmost beings will flow. And here's the priest still pouring the water. He doesn't have a cooking clue what he's doing. And Jesus stands the exact opposite to the rabbis. Says it in a loud voice. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so what was established was the river. In the city. In the temple. Flowing out from the very holy of holies. Woo. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so when did this happen? I like what, if we look at the Gospels, let's start with Mark, then Luke, then Matthew. Mark says, you know, when Jesus ascended, go into all the world, preach the gospel, these signs shall follow. Matthew says, go and make disciples of all nations. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Luke says, uh, I'll put an emphasis on a different place. That's John's translation. He says, go and tarry in the city. Till you be clothed with power from on high. Then you can do what Mark and Matthew says. Amen? Which we know happened in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. But Luke picks it up in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where Jesus continues the discourse with the disciples on the mountain. On the mountain. On the mountain. Amen? Amen? And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Here it is. Here it is. It was also foreshadowed on the cross when Jesus died on the cross, when he was crucified. So that scriptures would be fulfilled, not one bone was broken. Is that okay? The two thieves were still alive to help them die, break their legs. Jesus was already dead because it was the exact timing and he gave up his spirit. Then a Roman soldier pierced his side, his side, and out of his side blood and water flowed. Amen. And so the blood flowed because, you see, where the blood cleanses, then the spirit can come. But if you want to know where the river originated from, it originated from here. From the side where the rib was taken for the birth of the church. The side where the rib was taken for Eve to be created. Amen. So out of his side came the church because first the blood flowed and cleansed. Then the river of the spirit, the water came. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, this is awesome. And so that's where it began. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Woo! Wow. Isn't that awesome? And so they were filled with tongues. But I thought, Pastor John, we were talking about the river. I am still talking about the river. 
Amen. Just because I've gone on to tongues, it doesn't mean to say I've diverted from the mountain and the city and the light and the river. I'm still talking about it. So why does he say go and wait until you receive power and then tongues comes upon them? Like I said, it's a type and a shadow and it's a fulfillment. Isaiah 28, God speaks. And I think it's from about verse 12. He talks about a people. A people who are line upon line people, precept upon precept people, a little of this and a little of that. A little instruction here and a little instruction. He was talking about the law people. And right in the midst of those law people, he says, and then with people, with men of stammering lips and strange tongues, I will speak to this people. And he says, and this will be your refreshing and this will be your repose, says the Lord. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, the apostle Paul exactly quotes that scripture from Isaiah 28, referring to tongues. Amen? Are you getting something? So he was saying, and so on the day of Pentecost, people of stammering lips and strange tongues, did he speak to the scribes and Pharisees and the religious people? And they said, we hear them declaring the praises of God in our own languages, but they are Galileans. Amen? So tongues is supernaturally powerful, and so it indicates, it's an indication. Tongues is an indication that the stream is flowing from the holy place in the temple, from the city, on the hill, and it's the glory and the light of God that brings light to the world. Amen? So it's a supernatural power. Tongues is a supernatural power. So why does the Apostle Paul say, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all you all. You all, you know, you all, you all think you're pretty hot because you can speak in tongues. You come to church and all you do is speak in tongues because you're so amazed with tongues. But I speak in tongues more than all you all. That's for Pastor Bobby Leger. So all you all and Helen can, all you all, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So was Paul bragging or not? No, he was edifying tongues. But what he was at the same time doing was addressing incorrect practice in the church. Amen. He said, look, now there's times for prophecy and there's times for you to talk normal language to each other so you can understand. What are strangers are going to say when you all walk in and you shabra burresti? Check this, I didn't even learn this. Hey, I got a new language this week. Oh, that's nothing. I got this. I got this language. And they were all praying in tongues in different ways, different languages. And Paul goes like, okay, okay, look, it's really awesome. But just so that you know, I'm not demeaning tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. Why tongues? Why? Because there's a supernatural power. So the first thing is, Mark 16, 15, and 16, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Second sign, they shall speak in other tongues. Is that okay? So tongues then, Paul says it as well, 1 Corinthians 14. Tongues then is a sign. He says, not to believers, but to unbelievers. Why is tongues assigned to unbelievers? Because you're speaking a whole credible language that you never learned. You didn't grow up speaking it. You didn't go to any college to learn it, and you're speaking another language. Amen? There's a book that was written many years ago called Nine O'Clock in the Morning. And I read that book. I devoured that book. I did all the studies that I could. Because I was so fascinated with tongues. And you know that people were saying it's not languages and things like this. The critics, the religious people of that day were saying it's not tongues. And they took it to language laboratories. 
language laboratories, and they would record or they would sit in the room, you know, a spiritual believer and speak in a tongue. And the language laboratory came back and said, this is a viable language because it has all the intonations, it has the vowels and consonants, it's got everything. It is a language. Amen. What about when Alem is sitting over here and I say in her dialect, in her tongue, I am the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm in this place, and then I interpret the tongue and she's wailing and falling off her floor. Because three seconds before she said, Lord Jesus Christ, are you in this place? And then the Holy Spirit says to me, are you going to go for it this morning? And I said, go for what? And he says, come on, you keep saying you want more. Open your mouth. And I bring a tongue that I've never spoken in before and I interpret it, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm in this place. One second, one second after Alem sitting there in her language from Ethiopia says, Lord Jesus Christ, are you in this place? And she falls off the floor wailing. Comes to me after and says, you're a true prophet of God. So I said, why? And then she told me why. Alice, Alice from Zambia was sitting there the one day and I walked up and I'm talking about you are blessed, you're not cursed, you are blessed. And I looked at her and I said a sentence in tongues. She came to me after, she said, hey, prophet, you didn't even know what you said. She said, in Swahili, you looked at me and in Swahili, perfect Swahili, from my area, you looked at me and said, you are blessed. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. So it's a supernatural sign to unbelievers, isn't that right? It can be a sign to you as well. You know, if you just get into a little bit of unbelieving, just start speaking in tongues. <laughs> it might just be a sign to you to help you. Is that okay? So it's a supernatural sign. A sign of what? It's a sign that out of the city, from the holy place of the temple, the glory, the light, the river is flowing out of you. Amen? So number one, it's a supernatural sign that Christ is in us. Power of tongues supernatural sign that Christ is in us. Is that okay? Amen. If you ever want to know if Christ is in you, he's in me. Amen. Number two, the reason is because the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Only we can. Number two, why tongues? Because the smallest, most unruly, wicked member of your being is the tongue. It's the most unsaved member of our bodies. James explains it in James chapter 3. It can change the course of your life. It's like a little spark that can set a whole forest on fire. It's like the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder of a ship that determines your course. We know from Proverbs that the fruit of the lips, you eat of your lips. And so James says it's the most unruly member of the body. James says that if we give this tongue to gossip, he says it's set on fire by hell and inspired by hell. And in fact, malicious gossip comes from the same root word as demon. So it has the potential of this, of us as Christians speaking demonic language when we start to criticize, when we start to be judgmental, and when we start to gossip because he said it is a fire and itself is set on fire by hell itself. Amen. So the reason, another reason for tongues is for God to change this and to bring full lordship to every being of our bodies. So when we start to we are submitting this to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are disciplining an unruly member of our bodies. Is that okay? Number three. So it's surrendered to the lordship of Christ. Number, number three. It's faith speaking instead of murmuring. 
He that speaks in a tongue speaks to God. I don't know if you've noticed, the Holy Spirit is never negative, and He never speaks doubt. Is that okay? And so if you're ever in a place where you're doubting something, where you're not sure, pray in the Holy Ghost before you say anything else. Pray in tongues. Submit your tongue to God. Is that okay? Don't start gossiping. Don't start speaking unbelief. Don't start saying anything. If you get a bill unexpectedly, if something happens to you unexpectedly, before you say a word, start to pray in the Holy Ghost. Because you'll be speaking the language of God concerning it. Is that okay? You'll be speaking faith words concerning it. Is that okay? It's the reason why when God sent the Israelites into the promised land, the first city that stood in the way was Jericho. The Jericho was God's own tithe to himself, the first fruits to himself. And he said, this city belongs to me after that you have every other city. And he got the Israelites to walk around it and not speak a word for seven days because he knew them. He knew them. He knew that they would disqualify themselves once again. So he said to them, you shut up. You do not say a word. You walk around, you shut up. Because as you know, we've said it before, they could have walked around that city and they would have talked themselves into absolute unbelief because they would have been saying, yes, you know, you know, this guy works out. That's a giant over there. You know, they would have been walking around and saying, check at those walls. Look how thick those walls are. How are we going to get in here? They would have talked themselves right out of a victory. Amen. And so God said to them, shut up. But in the New Testament, we don't have to shut up. We can pray in tongues. Is that okay? We can walk around our Jerichos. We can walk around our impossibilities. We can have a look at it. We can absorb every aspect of it. And we can go, Because in tongues, you're going to say, you're little, man. You're little. You're nothing. You're nothing before God. Amen. In tongues, you'll be saying, you're going to fall soon. This enemy that I'm looking at, I'll never see again. Amen. This thing that's standing in front of me, it too shall become nothing. Amen. When you walk around praying in tongues and uh, in the Spirit, you are speaking the language of God to your situation. Amen. Amen. The next thing about tongues, it's amazing, is that it's your refreshing. It's your refreshing. I want to tell you, you know, sometimes, you know, those, those um, old-fashioned hymns, Oh, in the saints, go marching in. Oh, in the saints, go marching in. Ooh, 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 ooh. Lord, I want to be in that number. But you know, sometimes the saints go limping in. Oh, Lord, I don't want to be in this number anymore. <laughs> oh, Lord. And, uh, you know, sometimes the saints aren't all that refreshed. But I want to tell you that it's good to just pray in the Holy Ghost. Because... Isaiah 28, 9 to 13 says, This is the resting place. Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose, says the Lord. Jesus himself said it in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Listen, the New Testament is all about rest and refreshing. Amen. Amen. And sometimes when you don't feel really New Testament-ish, you know, and the shine has gone off, but just started. When I turn around and I, and I minister a lot, I pray in tongues a lot. Because I know this is the refreshing, says the Lord. Amen. And I refresh myself in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So sometimes, you know, at work, you know, you're working away and you, you've got your lunch break and you're tired. The Japanese say, put your head down and close your eyes. It's, that's good. It's a physical thing. It's not a bad thing. Just put your head on the desk and close your eyes and rest a bit. But why don't you add another dimension to it? 
put your head down and just give Before long, you feel like you just drank a glass of Enos. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my tongue. It's singing, it's laughing, as it makes me Amen. Hallelujah. It's the refreshing. Number five. You are speaking to God. First Corinthians 14, 1 to 3. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. There's a big debate whether the devil can understand you when you're speaking in tongues or not. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that we speak in the tongues of men and of angels. And I don't know about you, I'm just following my logic. The devil was around from the beginning. So I think he knows every language and every language that's extinct. He's probably aware of the heavenly languages. Not that he was ever there. We know he wasn't there. I like to think the devil knows exactly what I'm saying to God. I really like the idea. But it has such a power, there ain't nothing he can do about it, brother. You know. So when you switch over to channel Holy Spirit, you're praying a perfect prayer. And uh, your understanding doesn't know, neither does anybody around you understand what you're saying. But let's just say you're speaking in an extinct language, you know, of the Aztecs or something like that, or, you know, an ancient Chinese dialect or something, and you're praying it, and the devil's going, oh, yeah, I remember I, I did some work there in China with the Aztecs. I remember that. And he's saying this, or she's saying that. And it's like, and he doesn't even know what he's saying, but God knows. And it's like he knows that he's absolutely powerless to do anything about it. I like that idea because it's like taking the devil and, uh, you know, he comes with these temptations and accusations and everything. And then you start praying in tongues. It's like taking his head and shoving it into the ground and rubbing his nose in it and saying, what I'm praying about now, there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Because it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. But listen, people around don't understand. Amen. People around you don't understand. That was the wonderful thing about ministering in Egypt. Because I would walk around, they'd show me the city, and uh, sometimes I'd walk to places, you know, because it was all kept secret, you know, because the secret service, I believe, was tracking me and all this kind of thing. And you walk around, everyone's speaking in Arabic. John's speaking in some other language. And it was awesome, because they were walking and talking and talking to each other. So I would be, there I'm in Cairo. Oh, Lord, that's amazing. They walk past me, and they go like, this is some foreigner. And I am. Yeah. Amen. And I would walk around the city of Cairo because it's an oppressive city. I mean, five times a day, right across the city, those mosques from the minarets, they're going. The call to pray, five times a day, you know. And there's a pall of a thing over the city. But I just refuse to be intimidated. So I'd walk here, and every now and then I'd throw in an Arabic word that I knew, you know. And I would just walk around praying in tongues. Walk up to the counter, and the guy's looking at me, what you want, what you want, you know. And uh, they taught me the numbers in Arabic so that because you, they see a Western, the price is double. So you see Coke and then you see the Arabic numbers. And then I'd give them the money for the Coke and they'd look at the money. And I'd point to the sign, you know, because <laughs> you're a foreigner. They reckon the tourists have got a lot of money. They charge you double. So I would just be speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. And anyway, what's it got to do with them? I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to God. Amen. They don't understand me. There was a guy once. 
he cut me off in the traffic, you know, and I was showing him, you know, are you blind or are you stupid or whatever? So he pulled over, he got out and he came to me in his language. He said, old man, I'll kill you. You know, he came to me speaking in his language, in Zulu. So I just looked at him, I went, Kebrosta Minkradalo Vestegres. And he goes, what's your problem? I said, first of all, my problem is you because you don't drive properly. So then he, that's when he said to me, oh man, I'll kill you. So I looked at him, I went, Shtebruka. So he got very confused. <laughs> very confused. And then he starts shouting at me in his language. So I start going, Kebrosta Minkradalo Vestegres. So he goes, Wena. And he goes, I get to the car going. And I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to God. I just made like I was talking to him. Come on, the supernatural power of tongues. Come on, tell the person next to you, supernatural, man. It's a sign. It's a wonder. Amen. Number seven. Woo! Listen to what Paul says. For anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Wow. In these times, you need edification. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Listen, I came from a place of being extremely shy, extremely, uh, just an extreme low self-esteem, no ego, whatever to speak of, you know? I was so pathetic, so pathetically shy that I couldn't speak in front of people. How God has healed me. Amen. Amen. Now I love to be in front of people speaking. Amen. Now you can't shut me up. Then you couldn't get me talking. I mean, what a miracle. What a turnaround. And I know some of you pray that God would just give me a little dose of what, you know, just get him to shut up now, you know. But God healed me. For the first three years that I, I was in love with Bev, I chased after her. She was not interested in me because I was so pathetically shy. I was useless. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't even talk to her. When I got near her, I wouldn't talk. But it's still like that when I get near Bev, I can't. I'm so blown away and overwhelmed by her, you know. She's like, she's amazing. But listen. Listen, there is nothing like building up yourself, your self-image, your self-view of yourself. There's nothing like praying in the Holy Ghost. The best therapy is not with a therapist or some psychologist. The best therapy for your woundedness is pray in tongues because you edify yourself. Put together with all these other things. Amen? But you edify yourself. It's an energy boost. You build yourself up in your faith. Come on, this is really awesome. Number eight, praising God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16 to 17, he says, talking about in the church setting, rather prophesy, because a prophesy is a sign to the unbeliever than tongues. Tongues is for believers. He says, otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to what you are saying? When you run out of words, when God's done something incredible, when you run out of your praise vocabulary, just start in your language and then switch over to tongues. Your spirit will follow just what you've been doing because it's subject to the prophet. And you will switch over and you'll be saying the most amazing things. You'll be uttering the most incredible praise to God in tongues, in a language that you've never learned. Amen? So the supernatural power of tongues, one or two more. Number nine, it builds you up in your faith. You know that the Bible talks about no faith, little faith, weak faith, uh, much faith. But I love what Jude says in Jude 20. He says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? So there's no faith, there's little faith, there's weak faith, there's much faith. But then there's most holy faith. 
This is the faith, the kind of faith that Jesus had. Because Paul tells us that we should be living by the faith of the Son of God himself. Amen. Not your own faith, but by his faith. And so you'll be building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay? And so there are times when you're confronted with things, times when a miracle is required. Best thing to do is pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Pray in the Holy Ghost. On Tuesday night, Monday and Tuesday night, we just had such a breakthrough in the church where I was last weekend. About Tuesday night, I tell you, the people were coming forward, the miracles were flowing, and things were happening. And um, there were some ladies in particular, when they came forward and when I laid hands on them, the power of God hit them and they just began to shake under the power of God. Never happened in their entire lives. They were just standing shaking, 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 shaking. And eventually, at different stages, I went up to both ladies and I said, what are you aware of that the Holy Spirit is doing in you? Both ladies, independent of themselves, standing different sides of the church, both said, he's shaking off hurts and pains and things of the past. He's setting me free. Amen. And so JD will tell you the assistant. In fact, he's like an assistant to the pastor and he plays in the worship team. He comes forward, very strong looking guy and he stands there and uh, I said, hey, his name is Mikhail. I said, Mikhail, you know, what can I do for you? He said, hey, my friend dwing me om hier voor you to come for gebede. So I said, that sounds like most wives. <laughs> I, uh, you know, for those who don't understand, he says, my wife told me I had to come up for prayer. And I said, what is the matter? What is it you want Jesus to do for you? He said, I've got Crohn's disease. And I said, awesome, because I can take revenge on darkness. Tell you, I laid my hand on his head and I said, May I put my hand on your stomach? It was very swollen. And I put my hand on something. I started to pray. He's a strong guy and he's standing there like this. He has this guy, it's freezing cold. He's got shorts on and a short sleeve shirt. And I'm going, Jesus. Amen. You know. So I wanted to say to him, Should I pray for your nerves? Because I think they're also dead. And you can't feel the cold. And I just touched his stomach and I stepped back. And he just started going, oh, oh, and everything started to move inside yeah just moving 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 the only way i could describe it was if you took a python folded up and stuck it on the inside took his inside stuck it inside that's what was happening everything was just moving rolling it's going, oh, oh. i mean it was powerful jd was standing there with me powerful just like oh. and then i just hear this noise and jd goes oh no because he prayed for the other jd whose hand was healed and um, he prayed for that guy and he said listen you got saved a few weeks ago, the week before the pastor baptized him. This Monday night, he gets healed. His hand gets healed. So J.D. says to him, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? And he said, yeah. He said, and speaking in tongues, do you speak in tongues? He said, no. He said, do you want? He said, yes. He said, well, it's your father's desire and your desire. So, you know, J.D. is very bold. And he says, just imitate me. Just say what I'm saying. So J.D. starts praying in tongues. And the guy copies him. Next minute, Bada. hits the ground, just speaking in tongues. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And uh, so what was I saying before that? But it was awesome anyway. And then this guy's stomach is going, wow, 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 just moving. So I went up to him and I said, what's happening? He said, it feels like Jesus got his hands in you and he's folding and massaging my stomach. He's this guy is going, listen, one touch of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. And why? Because there's a river flowing out. Amen. Amen. Last point. So, you know, you know, in Ephesians 6, because the point that I was saying is it builds up your faith. Amen. The last point is this. 
is in Ephesians 6, it talks about, you know, we put on the full armor of God, which is putting on Christ. And uh, the last piece to be picked up is the shield of faith, amen, which is a defensive thing. And so the faith covers all of it. In other words, it's by faith we have the truth on. It's by faith we have the breastplate on. It's by faith. You know, everything's by faith in our Christian world. And he says, and they take up the shield of faith that you can quench the what? The fiery, the, the what darts? And there's times when the enemy, you're coming under temptation or attack or accusation or whatever, and they're fiery darts with your shield of faith, and it pegs into your shield of faith. Well, you know, the awesome thing is that you've got a river of water inside of you that can put out fires. Amen. So when the enemy is, and it's burning, you can start, this fire needs a bit of water. Kebrasta brastum, Come on. Amen. And so you, it quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want you to be filled fresh. I want you to get a new tongue. I want those that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit yet speaking in tongues. But I want just a fresh level of the river of life to be flowing out of you. Amen? Bringing water and life wherever it goes. Touching people. Filling people. Blessing people. Amen? And so, so why is it that you, know, you can go into a place and completely change the atmosphere in a place? You can change the faith level in a place. Amen? I'm so excited to hear what's happening at that other church this morning because by Tuesday night, the faith level, the spiritual water level, the spiritual temperature was at a different place by Tuesday night. Amen? Why? It's because there's a river and the streams of which make glad the city of God. Amen? And so streams were flowing and things changed and things happened. Hallelujah! Amen? How do I apply this now? How do I apply this? Father, just let the river flow. Amen. Just where you're sitting, just begin to pray in tongues. Come on. Just get a fresh touch, fresh infilling. Be full fresh. Let the river flow. Come on. It's a supernatural sign that Christ is in you. It's a supernatural sign that you are not mere humans. You are spiritual people filled with all the fullness of God. It's a sign that you are the hill of the Lord, Mount Zion. You are the city set on the hill. It's a sign that you're a temple and out of the temple, out of the most holy of holies flows a river of living water, pure as crystal. It's a river of life. Right, don't look around. Just engage with the Lord. Close your eyes. Start to pray in tongues. Start to pray in the Holy Spirit. Come on, if you need a miracle, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Speak to God. Be praising God. Come on, God's releasing a river of life, river of life, clear. Remember I said my goal at the end of it is for you to be touched, but for you to be filled. And also that you would receive a refreshing in your heavenly prayer language. But not only that, that the river of God would be released to you at a different, different level. If it was a trickle, may it be a stream. If it was a stream, may it become a river of living water. Come on. Come on, there's a dry and a thirsty world out there. It's like a wilderness. There's sick people that need healing. Come on, let it not just be theory. Let it not just be a sermon. Come on, let it be a practical thing now. Come on, let's go somewhere where we've never been. Let's go to a level we've never been at. I've missed one point. One point is that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. Romans chapter 8. 
Father, just I pray a fresh infilling. I pray a fresh infilling. Lord, just something new, something fresh, something powerful. Lord, it's a river of life flowing from inside the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a river of life. Father, just let the life flow, the life flow, the life flow. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just keep seeing this someone, and I don't know if it's on live stream, and I don't know if it's the left or the right ear, but it's, it's like it's harder hearing in the one ear than the other ear. It's not that you were hearing aids or anything like that. But I just see one ear, it's, it's almost like it's gone dull, one ear. And I just feel that the Lord is opening that ear right now in the name of Jesus. Let's just lift our hands. Father, I just want to thank you. Fresh touch. Fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Something new, Lord. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Come on, just be filled now. Take it by faith. Just breathe in as a practical thing that you can do. Just breathe in more of the Holy Spirit. Just breathe in. Just breathe in. Take a deep breath. Just be filled afresh. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We want more of you. We want more of you. We want more of you. Come on, the Holy Spirit is moving, is touching. Just, you know how to respond. Respond to His presence. Just be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled afresh. Be filled through this whole week. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Lord, just fill your people. Fill your people. Come on, the Holy Spirit is touching people. Father, whoever that ear is that that belongs to, fill. Fill. Healing for that ear, Lord. I just command it to open right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. Touch that ear. There's people here that maybe your dream life has gone to sleep. (laughs) Or your visionary life. Or your prophetic life. I'm just going to lay my hands on you. Just going to stir up that, that the dream language and the vision language and the prophetic. I'm just going to stir it up. Father, I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Come on. There's a river of God. There's a river of God on the inside of us. And part of the, the accompaniment of the Spirit, Joel 8, Acts 2 You'll prophesy. You'll dream dreams. You'll see visions. Come on, the dreams and the visions are prelude. They are part and parcel of the prophetic. A dream is seeing at night. It's a night vision. A vision is a day dream. So God's showing you things so that you can begin to speak those things, begin to prophesy those things. Father, I want to thank you. Father, I want to ask that you just do something new and fresh in them. Something new and fresh, new and fresh, new and fresh, new and fresh. Lord, part and parcel of, the, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, is dreams, visions, prophecy. Dreams, visions, prophecy. Dreams, visions, prophecy. Lord, it goes with the intercession ministry. Father, I awaken it. I awaken it in the name of Jesus. Filled afresh, Lord. Just release those dreams. Release those visions. Release them, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
let that river flow from the temple. Let it flow out of the city that's on the hill. Lord, let it flow down into the valley of Chittim and water that place. Father, I thank you that those in valleys, those that sitting in darkness, shall see a great light in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the glory of the Lord is upon you. His glory has arisen. So let your light shine in Jesus' mighty name. We all agreed. We all agreed. Yeah. Let's just give thanks to the Lord. Day of Pentecost. Amen. Amen. Why don't we celebrate Pentecost this whole week? As much as you can, pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Love you all. Bless you all. Bless you all.